There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Jenny Rooney, host of Marketing Vanguard. As a special bonus episode this week, we're spotlighting another amazing series on the Adweek Podcast Network. Hosted by Deborah Chen, The Great Fail is a true crime-inspired business podcast that examines the greatest success stories of the most prominent and prolific companies, brands, and people, and what led to their demise. In this episode, Deborah takes a look at The Wing a pioneering and exclusive women's co-working space that shattered glass ceilings and secured over $100 million from investors including WeWork and Airbnb, venture capitalists, and celebrity investors such as Megan Rapinoe and actress Mindy Kaling. At its peak, The Wing held a valuation of approximately $365 million, maintained 11 locations across the country, and catered to 12,000 members with a wait list of 9,000. But as the wing was enjoying its ascent into stardom, its employees would soon threaten to clip the company's soaring wings. Tune in to episode 61 of The Great Fail to hear the story and subscribe to The Great Fail wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next week for an all-new episode of Marketing Vanguard. The business model was inherently flawed. It didn't support the women who truly need the networking opportunities. Welcome to episode 61 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at the once promising women's only co working space called The Wing. In March of 2020, the New York Times published an article titled, The Wing is a Women's Utopia Unless You Work There, exposing revelations about its CEO, Audrey Gelman, and her alleged mistreatment of her employees. These employees who formed the backbone of her organization provided testimonies that sent shockwaves through the industry. And one by one, media outlets began to uncover more disturbing allegations. The once lauded embodiment of female empowerment now faced a reckoning as reports of racism, abuse, and toxic work culture shattered the facade about the pioneering and exclusive women's co working space. 
Welcome to the story of the wing. Soaring high since 2016, wings clipped by 2022. What comes to mind when you hear about private members-only clubs? You see, private clubs date back to the 17th century London when private coffee houses began to pop up as retreats for men, and only men, to eat, to drink, socialize, and debate whatever societal events or political issues were buzzing around town. They were places to escape the confines of their households, to get away from their women, and serve as havens for making friendships and contacts. It was like a male-only sanctuary away from home. These days, when we hear about these clubs, they're typically associated with a type of exclusivity, elite status, and affluence. And that's because oftentimes, there's a stringent selection process to find people that can fit certain social statuses socioeconomic backgrounds and connections. And the rationale is that in order to curate the right collective experience, you need to carefully select members who have similar interests and tastes, usually in luxury, networking, or particular interests. Whether it be a country club or a social club, the implication is that to join a private members club, one must be interesting enough or wealthy enough or both to be selected. And it's not for everyone. You either love it or you don't. But I think what makes social clubs at times irresistible is the hype that it creates and a sense of exclusivity that spurs on an extreme case of FOMO for those who hate missing out on fun. I remember when I first read about The Wing, right when it arrived on the scene. It was notably the first ever women-only co-working space attuned to the needs of, well, women. A private space for the female population that not only wanted a space to work, but also form a community with other like-minded people. Peers who were successful, professional, intellectual, and full of big dreams. Those traits subtly served as a rubric from which to curate their exclusive network and hence their motto, empowering women through community. The wing enabled women to address the nuanced challenges that co-ed spaces often overlooked, and it fostered a sense of camaraderie where women could freely network, collaborate, learn from one another without the barriers or biases that sometimes arise in mixed gender environments. But it came with a price, as most of us would expect from a private club. Membership at the wing rang in about $3,000 a year, but it included access to club locations as well as high-end exclusive events. It was a chance to hobnob with powerful female celebrities, leaders, and movers and shakers. And leading the charge was Audrey Gelman, a striking white woman who could have easily graced the cover of women's magazines. Gelman played a pivotal role in conceiving the Wings concept from her own personal journey and with her narrative and background interwoven in the Wing brand ethos. It's what made it so successful. Yet over the years, the same narrative unfolded, 
but didn't exclude some of the more unsavory moments, which underscored Gelman's privilege and social standing. And as we will see, that ultimately aided in the downfall of a once promising company. Fun fact, the Wings co-founder, Audrey Gelman, was childhood besties with girls creator, Lena Dunham, and the inspiration behind the Marnie character on the show. The part was written for her to star in, but Gelman had her own plans. Not to act, but to continue her climb up the corporate ladder where she was making it as a rising star in the political world. She had served as press secretary in 2008 on Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and later was a spokeswoman for New York City comptroller Scott Stringer. In her high-demand, high-pressure job, she shuffled between meetings, sometimes forced to change into outfits at random public toilets at Starbucks and filthy train stations. And there, she realized there weren't any places where women could do their thing, fix their hair, charge their phone, pump their milk, and the struggle inspired an initial concept that she called Refresh. The idea was for small hideout spots situated within big cities to accommodate the need for a clean, private space where women could use while running from place to place throughout the workday. The co-founder, Lauren Kassan, joined her and advised that they think bigger. And that's when they conceptualized a feministic space built with exquisite designs that would prioritize comfort and functionality in ways that would best cater to the working woman. They brought to life a co-working space with the name The Wing to represent a wing of the user, aka a home away from home. The wing emerged at the perfect time when millions of women were still reeling and crushed by the defeat of Hillary Clinton in the presidential election against Donald Trump. With that new era as the backdrop, the club took on a grassroots sort of activism, confluent to the girl boss capitalist movement. The wing came about in 2016, and at the time, it was largely recognized as a place for women to congregate and to network in the immediate aftermath of the 2016 presidential election. So it kind of rose in prominence around the same time as the Women's March happened that summer in D.C. It was based initially in New York, but expanded its networking locations significantly and very quickly. In 2016, The Wing opened up their first location in New York City's Flatiron District. It was a 7,000 square foot space with aesthetics that you'd see in an issue of Architectural Digest or L Decor. We're talking carefully, luxuriously curated furnishings. Hans Wegner pieces, modern pink furniture, color-coded bookshelves, chic custom wallpaper and retro lighting fixtures, all of it Instagram-worthy. There were private offices and conference rooms named after real-life and fictional feminists like Ida B. Wells, Anita Hill, and Lady Macbeth. One thing is that the idea of creating this women's networking space was sort of novel at the time. There hadn't been anything like it, at least not at that scale. And the founders were very invested in branding it as such. So they put together these beautiful Instagrammable interiors that a lot of people now remember for beautiful furniture and lots of millennial pink. 
And I think that women, and especially millennial women, were ecstatic about the concept. The New York Times reported that the wing had as many as 12,000 members at its height and another 9,000 on a waiting list. The annual $3,000 membership allowed access to the beautiful space and amenities, ultimately becoming a cultural and media hub for influencers and tastemakers. The wing wasn't just a physical space. It was a movement, a media experience, one with a podcast, a magazine, and tons of live events. There were all these perks, one of those that I previously described being connections to celebrities and industry leaders that someone in their mid-20s or early 20s, they wanted to pay the $3,000 or so fee would have access to. So there was that. But then there were also all of these other perks, you know, the idea of working in this beautiful space. And, you know, there were bottles of designer perfume in the bathrooms, for example. And the entire experience just felt almost dreamlike, I think, that somebody could access that kind of environment basically for a fee. The Wings exclusive member events were big, like the one where J-Lo announced her cosmetics line back in 2020, or the gathering of when Reese Witherspoon introduced the stars of HBO's Big Little Lies that included Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman. Hillary Clinton came through. Serena Williams was another one. Megan Rapinoe was another one. So athletes, politicians. Uh, I believe that J-Lo announced a new makeup line at a wing location. So it really ran the gamut. It wasn't just business leaders. It was people who were pop culture icons. And I think that that was also part of the appeal because it was like, You know, you could theoretically get a front row seat and shake hands with Hillary Clinton. And this is, you know, right in the aftermath of the election. They raised more than $100 million from investors that included WeWork and Airbnb, venture capitalists and celebrity investors like Megan Rapinoe, star of the U.S. national women's soccer team, as well as comedian, writer and actress Mindy Kaling. At its peak, the wing had a valuation of about $365 million, with 11 locations across New York, Los Angeles, Boston, and Chicago, and served 12,000 members, and a waiting list of 9,000 more. But as the wing was enjoying its rise into stardom, a storm brewed among its employees, threatening to blow the company off its course. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Up until this time, the wing had experienced significant growth, expanding to multiple locations, gaining an impressive, dedicated membership base, and a hype that kept their waiting list unbelievably long. However, like any business, it faced challenges and controversies along the way. Growing pains are one thing, but these grew into red flags. The first sign of trouble came with its controversial membership policy. The Wing's initial women's-only decree made it challenging, even unrealistic at times. For instance, some women who were working out of the Wing would have to take meetings, but because the club wouldn't allow any men even to step foot into the building, it would pose a problem for conducting meetings. It seemed a bit unrealistic that women could only do business with other women. The attitude against men stretched beyond this policy, and by the time the wing opened up their eighth location, they had proposed a series of ads that were rejected by advertisers. Ads that included slogans like, the world was built for men, the wing was built for you, and want to mute the mansplainers and start your own language? which were all deemed to be divisive and potentially demeaning messages. And so, in 2019, a $12 million lawsuit was filed against the company, alleging gender discrimination for its only women mandate. The wing quietly dropped its no-men rule, but the controversy had left a trail of negative press. Then came the 2020 worldwide pandemic, which walloped the wing, as it did to most companies that made money from bringing people together into a physical space. During the spring of 2020, after losing 95% of its revenue, it laid off more than 300 of its employees. In an email sent to its members, management announced that it was closing down six of its locations due to, quote, the backdrop of the COVID pandemic and increasing global economic challenges. However, it would soon be apparent that there were other concerns behind the scenes. One important thing to note is that following the story, there was a lot of backlash against the wing. And Audrey Gelman, the CEO who had been implicated as being toxic in the story, stepped down. And... At the same time, the pandemic struck, and as we saw with other co-working companies at the time, they just weren't prepared for the pandemic, and it absolutely destroyed their business model for pretty much the duration of 2020. Gelman was under fire for the seemingly contradictory messages of feminism and female empowerment against what many believe was a workplace filled with unconscious bias and discriminatory practices against non-white and gender non-conforming individuals. Gelman's employees went on a virtual strike to protest her leadership and force her resignation. 
there were a number of anecdotes specifically from women of color who talked about one instance in which the West Hollywood location at the wing had, and I quote, a private call booth named after Moesha, a 90s sitcom character. And that person had felt that the wing in general was a majority white networking space. And so to have a conference name sort of like named after a black cultural icon felt misplaced and almost as though the wing was trying to or perhaps accidentally appropriating black culture in a way that they really shouldn't have given their internal makeup. And so there was that incident. There were conversations about how a woman of color had been harassed by a white woman over a parking space at a particular location. And then there were really damning allegations about how Audrey Gelman, one of the co-CEOs of The Wing, had responded to some employees at the location. And of course, The Wing's spokesperson at the time denied this, but in the New York Times Magazine story, there was an anecdote about how one employee had their shift essentially frozen because Audrey Gelman had come into the location and apparently complained that that employee did not know her name. In June 2020, Gelman stepped down after months of turmoil and labor strikes from employees that protested her leadership. But following that, there continued to be leadership issues. In February of 2022, Jennifer Cho, chief marketing officer of the company, was appointed CEO. Just six months later, in August of 2022, the wing announced its closing, citing its inability to recover and grow. Another significant piece of this is that WeWork had invested significantly in the company. And when WeWork valuation collapsed that had a significant impact on the wings valuation as well. And then I would say that probably the last thing is just the leadership crisis. It brought on another CEO, Jen Cho, but she left after just five months on the job. And so there was so much going on that the business just couldn't remain viable. Gelman, the co-founder and founding CEO, was a rising star who became the face of young female entrepreneurship. She posed in Chanel ads and for Vanity Fair features and was the first pregnant CEO on the cover of Inc. magazine. And for a brief moment, she embodied feminism in a way that many have only imagined. When a group has been working to advance and then a single member behaves badly in public, it could have a recoil effect. And in this case, women promoting women in the workplace was found to be part of the problem. Ironically, many of the clients and employees were trying to escape, not at the hands of men, but at the hands of other women, women of privilege, arrogance, and unchecked bias. It can be really tough to think through lessons learned in this instance, and that's because There are some innate flaws in the business model that, in my opinion, sort of breed these issues of diversity and inclusion. Because in order to create a viable company 
that can actually serve the needs of its members, you need to have a revenue model. And usually that revenue model, as it did with the wing and like it does with a couple of similar organizations that exist today, revolves around membership fees. The trouble with that though is that it is automatically exclusionary of so many people and certainly the people who need it most. So it's a really tough one. I mean, you could say there were so many actionable steps that the wing could have taken at the time, including providing a better working experience for its employees and specifically employees of color to doing more for its members of color to making membership easier to access. But at the end of the day, I'm not personally convinced that the model itself is a fair and inclusive model. So maybe not. Maybe the answer is just, we need something else entirely. What had been uncovered by the New York Times was that the wing cultivated a gossipy, toxic work environment. Sadly, toxic culture is an extremely common phenomenon, and what we know is that it oftentimes stems from poor leadership. As much as the notion of women supporting women was appealing, the execution was not. And what made the fall of the wing so salacious and spectacular was a hypocrisy of its mission, which was to empower, unite, and uplift women, ultimately did the opposite and stifled, stymied, and suffocated the women in its ecosystem. I think that the wing was capitalizing on what a lot of people refer to now as the quote-unquote girl boss era. And it was a time when feminism rose in social prominence and I think became part of a a big social conversation. But the problem that eventually surfaced was that this kind of feminism was not intersectional in nature. So it was this idea that, yes, this is a women's networking organization designed to lift women up. However, the vast majority of the women at the organization were women that could afford to pay 3000 or so dollars a year to support this membership. And the idea was that maybe the business model was inherently flawed in that it didn't support the women who truly need the networking opportunities. And that's just one one part of it. Gelman and so many others have girl-bossed their way into the toxic war culture that benefits from excluding and exploiting people, all in pursuit of the next goal, the next round of funding, and the next grand opening. But eventually, reality and reputation come around to clip their wings. Special thanks to Olivia Morley, senior reporter at Adweek, for her contributions to this episode and providing commentary on what led to the downfall of the wing. 
And thank you for tuning in this week to The Great Fail, a program that spotlights some of the most infamous case studies of failed businesses, brands, and ideas, and goes beyond that to garner lessons and wisdom so that we all can learn from the greatest mistakes. The Great Fail is part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcast. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of these episodes would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can continue bringing you more episodes. And remember, with great failure comes great liability. I must confess, I did what I did, now my life's a mess. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.